the same that they know about us. Like, there's some stuff from last year. There's stuff. Uh, it, their defense coordinator has a resume. I have a resume. Um, there's tape. So you watch that stuff and you figure out, hey, you better be ready to adjust. And you can't wait to have time to adjust. And you better be ready in the second, third series to adjust. So there are definitely things that you put on on the field to see, hey, how are they going to play this? How are they playing this? Like, what are they going to do this for versus this formation? What are they doing versus this personnel grouping? And you build openers that way. So you see you can they reveal some stuff to you. All right. Welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Pauline and Alan, and we are breaking down the UNC game week. Uh, be sure to follow us on X and Instagram. And I think that's the first time that I haven't called it Twitter first, but uh, uh, and YouTube, all at Rivals Gamecock, um, and then GamecockScoop.com for all the news. Plenty of premium articles, plenty of free articles. Uh, we're getting ready for game week. That was Dowell Loggins talking about the need to kind of start fast, making game adjustments before halftime. Um, I know that that wasn't meant to be a shot at Marcus Satterfield, uh, but I do think that probably um, folks that have been, you know, sort of wringing their hands over the past couple of seasons were probably at least encouraged to hear that. Now, whether or not that actually happens we'll find out soon um but uh, definitely one of the criticisms i think of the previous offensive coordinator uh was if his game script did not go according to plan like in at the beginning of the game um it usually never really bounced back in-game adjustments uh weren't his strong suit um and we'll have to see if that works out a little bit better for dialogue granted i think south carolina fans got a little spoiled because they had one of the greatest in-game adjusters of all time and Steve Spurrier for, you know, like a decade. So that'll, uh, that'll ruin anyone. But um, <laughs> before we get fully into the UNC game, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, don't have a ton to share. I did talk a little bit about uh, Daniel Hill in the weekly recruiting wrap up last week. I'll have the visitors list for the Charlotte game. Uh, the Charlotte game, the UNC game in Charlotte uh, tomorrow. Uh, there are several guys that are that are planning to make it in. Uh, I believe Jalen Gilchrist yep, was one of those. Um, a lot of 2025 names, which, I mean, unsurprisingly, the 2024 class is almost wrapped up. Um, but we'll we'll see some late emergences like we have both of the last two seasons too. Um, some of which we might talk about today thinking like Lenora Sellers who didn't get an offer till October last year. So um, anyway, let's talk UNC. So before we get into like actually breaking down the game, uh, we heard from the players and each of the coaches this week uh, in their press conferences. And to me, it seems like they're just as ready for the season to start as we are. <laughs> they're kind of tired of talking about it. They just want to kind of lace it up and, and get things going. Um, what are some of the, the big takeaways f f from this past week and, and kind of where their heads are at as we head into this week? Uh, Alan, I'll start with you. Uh, not a normal week. Not a normal week one. Um, I think Beamer said, you know, no disrespect to Eastern Illinois and Georgia State, especially not Georgia State. But no, you're playing a ranked opponent. And you're playing in front of 70,000 people on a neutral site. There's recruits there on both sides. This game day is going to be there. I mean, geez, I think the line Beamer used was game day wasn't calling to come to East Illinois or Georgia State, like this, this is a huge week one game and 
I know they know that. I know all of you out there know that. You've been thinking about it since January, pretty much. since pretty much when the Gator Bowl ended. But this is not a regular week one, and they're going to have to be ready to go immediately because this can get out of hand quick if they're not. One of the uh, big stories, I guess, coming out, uh, and pretty much every coach this week talked about it, was that they started off the week a little bit sluggish. Um you know, Shane Beamer kind of came in there with like a, a pissed off attitude, I guess, on Tuesday, um, saying that he was disappointed that they got their butts kicked. Uh, he said it was a crap effort or whatever. Um, Dowell Loggins kind of came in with like a good cop attitude yesterday, if, <laughs> I feel like, where he was like, you know, they had a they had a long break. It was a little bit expected. And he also said that they had uh, had a better practice on Wednesday. So I guess it's easier to, to talk uh, about the bad practice once you've kind of scrubbed it from the system. Um, Pauline, I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the the pressers or whatever from this week, but what were some of the things that have stood out to you as they get prepared? Well, actually, both of those points. Um, first off, it is uh, wrapping up the first week of school, so quote unquote syllabus week, where to many undergraduate students is the last hurrah so i could understand why shane was a little uh, probably a little upset at the players but you know it's all in fun but then uh to alan's point that was uh one of the things that i'm most concerned about is the fact that they're itching to play their first game of the season and they already have all this hype and momentum around them but I'm afraid that they might like burn out too quick and they're not going to be able to like, they, they don't have the practice games that we had last season to be able to kind of work out those kinks that, you know, would be beneficial if we played the Duke's Mayo bowl all the way at the end of the season versus it being the first one. Yeah. The um, I, I would say that this is definitely of the three, Shane Beamer season's the most anticipated and the one where you have the most hype. Obviously, you aren't full-on ranked, but by most polls, when you look at the others receiving votes or whatever, you're like between the 25 and 30 range. Um, if you win this game, you're, you're immediately ranked. Game day is going to be there. Um, so steady progress, but this is one of those moments where you need to seize that momentum and not fall on your face. From a recruiting standpoint, there's a lot of recruits that you're competing against North Carolina for, uh, that are going to be at that game. Um, we've already seen over the summer you uh, lost uh, Malcolm Ziegler to North Carolina at the last minute. Um, so I, I do think that this this game is important in many ways. And as, as we talked about, if they want to have the 2023 season that they like the upper ceiling limit of, uh, you got to win these toss-up games starting with this one. I, I also think there's a proof of concept thing to be had here too. Um, you know, it's easy to forget we're nine months removed from it. There were a lot of questions about the Dowell Loggins hire from all of us. I don't think they were unfair questions, but all right, you hired an offensive coordinator. He's got an NFL track record. He's been a position coach in college, but he's never called plays in college football. That, that was a risk. And I think we still know how that's going to work out. Um, you go beat UNC. Okay. There's some proof of concept that this is off to a good start. Other side of the ball, you go beat Drake May, you beat a guy that might be the number one pick at the NFL draft in April, a quarterback who might be in the Heisman discussion. Okay, there's some proof of concept for what Clayton White's talked about. Like you, you can back up a lot of the things you've been saying for the last eight, nine months 
if you go out and put in a good performance Saturday in a way that you just can't do by beating Georgia State or Eastern Illinois week one. Yeah, definitely. And um, I put out an article at the beginning of the week that was five questions for the UNC game. And definitely the number one one was, what does Dowell Loggins' offense look like? Um, we think that there's going to be some carryover from last season. Uh, we know that he's put some things in Spencer Rattler's hands uh, and feels confident in doing so. Um, that's another storyline that we'll have to get to is this Rattler versus May uh, showdown, which is, of course, what the national pundits are all talking about. Um, but, yeah, I'm really there's curious. 40 NFL scouts there, by the way. Yeah. There's limited press box space because of how many scouts are going to be there. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm just interested to see what Logan's offense looks like. We think that they're going to go fast sometimes, maybe not all the time. I know several players – and Loggins, Loggins himself talked about that a little bit this week. Um, and we think that they're going to throw it around a lot. But we also know that there's some questions, especially on the O-line, especially in the run game, uh, that are going to have to be answered on Saturday. Yeah, I I, I think the how is the Dallas Loggins offense going to look thing has been what we've been talking about since December pretty much. Um, I'm especially interested in just going back to what you – what you played at the start of the show here. All right. Any offensive coordinator worth of salt can script 10 plays, can script 12 plays. What does drive three look like? What does drive four look like? How are you adjusting? What does the in-game flow look like? How are you sequencing? You know, what are you calling in the second quarter to set up a play in the fourth quarter? Um, all that stuff that you're just going to have to wait and see about is kind of what I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, as far as the showdown of the quarterbacks or whatever um drake may is obviously the one that's coming in with all the hype i believe dowell loggins gave a uh andrew luck comparison um he threw for over four thousand yards last season um widely you know renowned as potentially the number one qb next year probably number two behind caleb williams um do we think that there's a chance that Rattler performs as well as Drake May or even better. And if he does, does that start to like change the conversation around Rattler and his potential at the next level? Because there hasn't been a ton of talk about him at the NFL level. There hasn't been a ton of talk about his Heisman campaign, although I think you can buy buy like a plus 4,000 or whatever on Rattler. Um, I mean, if he has a big game, like what sort of igniter do you think that that can be? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, take it. Yeah. All right. Cause I actually have such I typically am this person that has the hot take opinion here. So here's a hot take opinion again. I really don't believe that um he's all worth the hype. I think right, he's right. very similar to a Stenson Bennett type deal where it's all just I mean like he was good, but like it wasn't like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like he, he's a lot of over media hype, kind of like Ryan Holinsky was, where everybody was just like, this quarterback's going to be like the best quarterback, like save us, whatever. Clearly didn't end up happening. I've been watching some of the film and it just doesn't impress me really. But, you know, that's watching film versus seeing it in real time and being able to do the practices like I would have been able to as I do 
for South Carolina. So that's my take. And that's only just through like the videos and media uh, hype I've seen, but that's my hot take. <laughs> He, uh, he definitely, it'll be interesting to see how he does without his two leading re receivers from last That's year. Uh, see who kind of steps into that role. Obviously, Josh Downs is with the Indianapolis Colts now. Um, I mean, I think he's better than those two names you mentioned, for sure. He uh, has more mobility than both those guys, has a bigger arm or whatever. But I do think that there's something to be said for the lack of... Um, sturdy defense that he's had to face through most of his career. Um, and also, yeah, seeing how he's going to perform without some of that vet, those veteran wide receiver uh, talents. And I, I think if there's a strength of the South Carolina defense, it's got to be the secondary. So that's going to be an interesting test. So as of, and we've talked about it a couple of times, we don't need to rehash the whole thing. You can go back to other podcasts, but as of 1230 PM on Thursday, Tez Walker still has not been cleared for UNC. That's, I mean, we've talked about it. That's a huge deal. I mean, for the record, I think that's nonsense. That's he didn't do anything wrong. The NCAA transfer portal rules are archaic at best. He probably should be eligible to play. That's a different conversation. If he's not, yeah, that's going to make life tougher for UNC. That's going to make life tougher for Drake May. Um, and that's going to make life tougher for Chip Lindsey. Their new offensive coordinator is going to be calling plays too. He's called plays in college before, but I think there is – to go back to your original question, the can Spencer Rattler outplay him? Yes. We watched him outplay Hendon Hooker last year. Uh, we watched him outplay DJ in the Clemson game. Can he? Yes. I think the bigger question here is more about South Carolina's front seven, front four, because North Carolina can still run the ball too. And I think that's something that's getting overlooked here. Yeah, that was going to be my next sort of question. You have Elijah Green coming back um, and Omari and Hampton. They both combined for over 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns last year, both averaged over four a carry. Um, and like I said, Drake May is pretty mobile. He'll take off sometimes on uh, on his own. And one of the biggest concerns I thought last year was containing the edge in the run game, uh, especially against a semi-mobile quarterback. Um you have a lot of questions at Edge. We're going to see a lot of new faces. I mean, they, they released the depth chart uh, this past week, and you had six different guys listed as possible starters at Edge. Um, now, that could – I do think that to some degree that's because you have a decent amount of depth, but I also think that that means you don't have true standouts either, right? Like, I think they're all pretty good. They're all going to be able to hold down the spot, um, but I don't think that – you've had anyone emerge as like, you know, a true number one alpha edge to hold down that spot. You don't have one. Um, okay, I just wanted to clarify that was my point before was my hot take was about Drake May, but kind of my reasoning behind it. Also not reasoning behind why I say it, but my skepticism towards it and why I believe that like Spencer could potentially, I don't want to say Spencer solely could beat it because our QB like depth, like in choices are very like, they're not concentrated. They're very um, spread out versus like, we don't have a quarterback that is mobile and um, has like a dart for an arm. Like it's either one or the other typically, which we saw last year with Spencer and Luke. And I'm seeing at, with Lenoris and stuff like that versus 
the one savior quarterback that like is coming in to, you know, carry the team type deal. So I think it's more of a team effort, but we will still pull through and prove ourselves. I think my question more so than Drake may Elijah green, more so how UNC scored. Look, you know, they're going to score points. There's probably going to be at least one deep, deep play, you know, take the top off the defense in this game. They're going to pick up a lot of yards. I, I don't think that you can even you can give up 350 yards and even still play well. It's just a good offense. Can you win a shootout? Like a true, true 42 to 38, 48 to 45. Can you win a shootout? Can you go back and forth like a tennis match? Can you get the one big play you need to maybe flip a possession in a shootout? That's more my question than Spencer Rattler, Drake May, is that if this is what we think it's going to – I know they can win a game in the 20s. We saw that last year. You know, the low 30s, I think, of the Clemson game, like that kind of pace. Just a no-holds-barred, both teams pick up 400, 500 yards, back-and-forth shootout. Can you actually win that? Is that well, yeah. more my question? I guess if you're That's looking right. back to last year, you have two pretty good examples. You have the Arkansas game. Which you didn't um, win. Which you did not win. You fell behind early. You did turn the offense on, but you kind of felt like you were playing catch-up the whole time. Um, and then you have the Tennessee game where you came out, scored on the first – Five or six possessions and never really let off the let off the gas there. Um, obviously, I think you can win a game without it necessarily going as perfectly as it did against Tennessee because that's a, a rare occasion. Um, but I do think if you fall down 14, 17 early, um, it's going to be tough to get back into it against this sort of offense. Even if you do get the offense going, I don't think that this is a a game that you can. Uh, score zero points in the first quarter um, or even three points in the first quarter and feel good about where the game's going. Okay. I'm glad you brought up the three actually, because I wanted to get into that a little bit. I wrote it this morning. If you're a subscriber, gamecooksoup.com last year, the only team in the country, 131 teams who went forward on fourth down at least 30 times and converted more than 70% was UNC. They're aggressive. They use all four downs. They don't like kicking field goals. They know their offense is their strength. And they kind of steer into that. Does Shane get ready to do the same thing Saturday? Does he need to, you know, I don't think you're going to win this game with field goals personally, but does this need to be an aggressive Shane Beamer Saturday night? I think we're going to be within a few, like I think whoever, because I know we're going to do our predictions, but I think regardless of who is winning, like it would be really depressing if it was like a Missouri type of beat where we just completely choked. But I know that as even though it's a neutral site we're the home team and like we have the quote unquote home team advantage but we have previously played them before there are still players on the team that have already played the same game before so the nerves might be like you know diminished a little bit but the biggest thing for me is that because i've seen it so many times before is we get We'll blow out the first half, and then it's like we're holding on for deal life by end of the third quarter. So that's where I think this game, like the direction of this game is going to be headed at the end of the day. So I don't know. It's going to be down to the kind of a shootout vibe where if we can kind of hold on till the end, then we'll do it. But, you know, as soon as we start slipping, it's like a down a downhill uh downhill from so there. if it is a shootout vibe 
Do you need to be more aggressive? Do you need to not kick field goals? Do you need to go for it on a fourth and one inside your own territory? Like, I kind of I mean, think I, you do. And it's it's something that both both of these teams have done a lot, like you you hit on in uh, that article over the last couple of seasons. I I expect there to be not a lot of punts for sure. Um, yeah. You know, I yeah. if there's if there's fourth and shorts, then I think um, we've seen a propensity for them to go for it. I also wonder, like, we we've talked about this a little bit throughout the off season, like are people on to the special teams tricks of South Carolina yet? Like, is that something that teams are preparing for now? Cause I think that they probably are every week. They're having to spend time uh, in their practices, looking out for that fake punt, looking out for whatever. Um, do we see things get a little bit more complicated? Do we see them maybe do that less and keep the offense out there because people are going to be expecting it more? I don't know. Like it, it, it's just an interesting thing to think about now that that's kind of the South Carolina brand is, special teams, um, can you still get some of those like easy uh, conversions that you got over the past couple of years? Now, I, I never want to doubt Pete Limbo. I think that's kind of where I am with it. I just figure it out and their play looks big. They do, they do a lot of different concepts um, and they do it in week one. Remember Eastern Illinois, you had the muddle huddle week um, after the first score, go for two. Last year, um, fake field goal set up a touchdown. They like the start the I. I lean towards you're going to see some of that Saturday, and I think you might have to see it. I agree with that, where at the moment until, you know, the team kind of develops its identity a little bit more and figures out, you know, what plays will be, like, the best fit. Like, we're going to see the trick plays. I mean, like we discussed when we were going through and creating our mock depth chart, our special teams is our strongest area, which I mean, like Caleb said, is our South Carolina identity, but it is all we have in my personal opinion. Like as soon as somebody catches on to the tricks and, you know, maybe gets a little schemey, um, we don't really have a second line that will be as good. I think that's my personal opinion. I think there's only like our first line, as soon as somebody gets uh, like knocked down, it's going to be detrimental for our success. Um, as far as the matchups and this one go uh, defensively on both sides, I feel like there's a little bit of a strength on weakness thing happening. Um, so I think that North Carolina's DBs are probably their big, biggest question. Um, South Carolina's passing game is obviously its strength. Um, as we said uh, earlier, South Carolina's edge rushers are probably their biggest question. Um, I guess the, this is more of weakness on weakness, but the weakness may not be able to be exploited. Um, North Carolina is kind of shuffling around their tackles, but they feel pretty good about their interior offensive line which is similar to South Carolina. Um, but yeah, I, the question is, do those edge rushers actually take advantage? Um, are they able to get some pressure on Drake May? Are they able to hold that edge, um, even though you know maybe that's a weakness? So I do think we are setting up for a high-scoring game, um, just because I think probably um, the strengths of each defense aren't really able to take advantage here. Yeah, and I think, too, if you're talking about 
strengths of defense is not taking advantage. And look, we, we know both these defenses are going to give up yards. It's just what this is going to be. You need Spencer Rattler to not give away a possession because that might be all it takes. Um, do either of you know off the top of your head how many interceptions Drake made through all of last season? Like two interceptions. 14 games. Yeah. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over much. So 12 for Spencer last year, I think. Yeah, and that was More like I believe that was ten or eleven of those through. He had more interceptions than touchdowns until the Tennessee game. Yeah. Point being, you probably can't even throw one Saturday. I mean, maybe you can get away with one, but you definitely can't give away more than one possession Saturday and expect to win the game. Um, At the very least, I think yeah, your turnover. Uh, ratio is going to have to come out even or yes. maybe slightly to your advantage. Um, now we've seen that South Carolina defensive backs are pretty good at creating turnovers, but you're playing against a quarterback that's a pretty good decision maker. So that's um, kind of what I'm getting at. Is you need good decision making, Spencer Rattler Saturday. You it just and look, we don't have to do quarterback film here, but you can't turn the ball over in this game. That's it's what well, is all game. I've seen at practice is Spencer working on like ball holding drills so he doesn't get stuffed or sacked. So, I mean, hopefully he can hold on to the ball and have enough time to think about those decisions like Drake May can do. I do think he's going to have time. This UNC pass rush is not fine. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you call it what it is. They were not good last year. Which. But- as you're working in this new offensive line and, and have all these questions uh, at tackle um, for South Carolina's offensive line as well, I think that that's a good thing. Uh, you're probably going to see a lot of those guys uh, throughout this game, like those four guys that we've talked about, Sidney Fugar, uh, Jackson Hughes. Casey um, Henry, Tayshaun Wanamaker. Exactly. What are you, um, what's your opinion on him? Because honestly, like I'm skeptical. No, uh, Henry, I'm I'm skeptical skeptical that Kaysen is gonna really like. I I, I don't know. Me? Even the, like yes, and I know that he has skill, but because of all last season, I mean, like we I saw him play two games last year. Yeah, because I know, and then he got True surgery over the summer. Yeah, but. I even, I feel like I see him on the sidelines more often than not during like during fall camp. I would see him more like not being a participant in the drill, which obviously is probably due to his knee and stuff. But I don't necessarily like it's like good for him, but I don't see talented him but raw really. is what I would say. Needs to um, be polished. I know that he has pressure freshman. He's played in two games. Um, exactly, and that's something else I wrote about this week too. But Look, you're going to have a lot of freshmen playing Saturday. You just are. Um, I know we got a topic on freshmen a little bit later here, but a lot of new guys, a lot of new faces, um, a lot of guys who have deaths was something Shane talked about Tuesday. Definitely never played in an environment like that before, um, whether that's Case and Henry, whether that's Desmond Umiazulu going back to the edge position, um, some secondary players, Jalen Kilgore. Up Howard is going to be a big part of this game at linebacker. Um yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be interested when we get that travel roster to see how many true freshmen made the trip because I'm expecting it to be in double. I'd be surprised if it's not in double digits, to be honest with you. And to answer your question on Henry, I think if he probably doesn't have that surgery, he talent-wise is probably locked into one of those tackle spots. 
But I do think um, that's one of the reasons that they brought in these transfers and stuff is there's been a little bit of um, unknown and, and youth uh, at, at the tackle spot. Because, like, again, I believe in the future talent of Tree Babalade. I believe in the future talent of Marky Anderson. It's just, are they ready now? And I think probably that surgery set back Case and Henry a little bit. Um, but I think by midseason, he probably, if, if, if I'm guessing, as long as he's healthy, he probably has one of those spots on lock. But who knows? We'll see. I'd be interested in if a RJ Roderick situation happened where, but as a freshman. Meaning? As like, since we all have first line, like there's going to be a lot of freshmen like in our first, uh, like, you know, lineup. Who's oh, going like to someone gets them? hurt and then a freshman comes like, in? Like first game. Because last year? Okay. Exactly. Like who's, who's on the back? like backup when it, like a freshman has to step up to the plate like that. But a freshman was the one who was already there in the first place. Like we're just, you know, yeah. I feel like we're. I mean, I think that, that you probably feel better about the depth across the board than you have at any point um, in the Beamer era from a talent perspective, but from a veteran, like has been there, done that, seen it. Um, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty thin this year. You're going to definitely have to rotate, rotate in some freshmen. Uh, if some people go down for in for injury, you're going to have to play some true freshmen, um, which, I mean, if we want to, let's do our predictions real quick, and then we can get into some of these season-long superlatives because I think we're going to talk a lot about the freshmen there. Um, all right. We've talked a little bit about the matchups. Uh, we talked about the Drake May, Spencer Rattler um, experience. Uh, push comes to shove. Let's hear each of your picks for this game. Give me a score. Give me who's going to win. Um, if you want to add a little bit about what you think is going to happen specifically. But, uh, Pauline, you want to lead us off? Yes, because my computer is going to probably die after this. So I'll give my take. But as always, I trust my gut feelings. And um, my gut feeling is saying that Although I'm comparing it to a bowl game, I feel like it's going to be or like pan out very similarly to the Gator Bowl, except we're not going to choke. We're going to hold on till the very like, but it's going to be like the reverse. It's going to be like Clemson, but in the scoring range of Notre Dame and South Carolina. So I guess I would say. Oh, I was talking about this yesterday. 34-37. South Carolina. And for those of you that uh, haven't been listening, Pauline's gut feelings did have a win over Tennessee, which ended up happening. So <laughs> um, it was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We definitely were. We had a gloom and doom podcast that week, and then we were like, wait, okay. You know why we had a new podcast? Because some of us, and by some of us, I mean me, drove to Gainesville the week before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of reason for optimism at that point. Um, but then, you know. Always the optimist over yeah. here. Hey, was someone has Good to do. Right? Um, all right, so 37-34, South Carolina over North Carolina. That's pretty close to what mine's going to be, too. Alan, what what about you? I think we're all going to be in that same kind of range. Um I do think it has to be a little bit lower scoring than that. I'm just, I need, I'm, a, I'm very much a need to see it with that logins in a game before I completely buy into it. Um, and I do think for all the talent North Carolina's offense has, there's still question marks there too, especially at wide receiver. 
I don't subscribe to the idea that they're going to roll the ball out and score 40 points just because they have Drake May. Um, Thank you. I'm, I mean, I still think they're going to put up yards and probably hit a big play at some point, but I'm going to say 31-28 South Carolina. Um, I'm on the same. I think South Carolina wins close. I don't see this game getting away from either team, but uh, if it does, it's going to be us. If it does get away from a team, it will be us. So we have to like make think, sure. I do think the and look, he still might end up playing. The Tez Walker thing matters. Like that's a thousand yard receiver North Carolina brought in the play that right now isn't going to be able to play. And I do think that I think that matters more than people are maybe giving it credit for. Um, I think South Carolina finds a way to get this done. Um, so I did my way too early predictions throughout the summer. I'm almost done with them. <laughs> Only two days before the season starts. Um, so you can go, if you just look up uh, early football previews and predictions, Gamecocks group, you can see each of those. And I'm looking back at my North Carolina one that I did back in early June. And I said, South Carolina 35, North Carolina 34. I think I'm just gonna stick with that. That's that's okay. about, that sounds about where where things are. Um, maybe sort of some sort of special teams play, blocked extra point, uh, safety, something weird uh, to get that score. But uh, yeah, I, I think this is about as close as you can get. I wouldn't want to bet on this game. Um, I've been advising everybody who asks me, like, what's the inside beats? Like, who should I like? Because of my gut feelings, you know, everybody knows about them. But I'm like, I don't even want to, like, give y'all my opinion just in the slim chance that, you know. North Carolina favored by two and a half right now for those who have a line. But that's what I think South Carolina and Clemson were. Like, they were very similar. It was like 10, I think, yeah. In the I very beginning, it wasn't it closer? Like, and then it might have moved a little bit the, after it opened. The, but yeah. um, I feel like when I first I remember it, it was something close. It, um, and then it got like four and a half or something. I don't no, remember. I'm pretty sure it was bigger than that. Partly because it was Clemson. Wow, it ended at 14. Clemson was a 14 yeah. point favorite. I was, about, I was about to say, I don't. I think most people thought the Tennessee thing was a fluke at that point. Um, and then it ended up not being so. Um, <laughs> let's go really quickly, Polly and you. Uh, got time to pick the rest of the schedule real quick. All right, so we all picked uh, North Carolina win, although very narrow. Um, let's get our records for the season down on the book. So three wins for North Carolina. I assume we all have South Carolina being firm, and we don't really have to break that down too much. I mean, you and I did the first half already, Caleb, the schedule yeah. on this, but – all right. Um, I do we all have losses against yet. Georgia? Been, yeah. What Pauline? if we? What if? What if you pull like a Ryan Holinsky? Like, what if for some we just like blow it out of the park? It's gonna have um, to be something sense. weird. It's definitely gonna have to be a weird game uh, if you're gonna win that one. It's but about I, there's time no way that though. I, I feel like they have to come back now after like they kind of got their ego taken down a notch this past. I'm, I think I had a. I think I had it um, three and three after Florida. We did this Caleb for the first time. So that kind of accounts for me through there. I think you did too. Yeah. Maybe you had four and two. Yeah. For so uh, we, we are, we're all pretty much on the same page for those through those first three. Um, we both had Mississippi state wins. Pauline, what are you thinking about the Mississippi state game? Mm. 
yes, I'm going to go with that. But I also feel like we could potentially, like, it could be a Missouri-type game where, like, we should have one. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm actually wrong. I think, Alan, you had flipped yours to a loss against Mississippi State when we talked a couple weeks ago. I had them splitting. I think there goes Pauline. I had them splitting UNC and Mississippi State just because I feel like that's the way it's going to end up going. But All right. Um, So then you got at Tennessee. Me and Alan both had a loss. What do you think, Pauline, at Tennessee? We still have Pauline? Uh, she, her picture is there, but she's not there. All right. Well, whatever. We we were six and six through the first part of the schedule, so you and I can pick up after that. So, uh, oh yeah, her computer died. So we'll just pick up where we were. So we were three and three. Um, I was four and two, and you were three and three through the Florida game. Um, what do you think at Mizzou for week seven? I think you get that one done finally. Um, just it's just it's yeah. gonna turn eventually. I, I think you have to if you want to have any sort of um, success this season that you're hoping for. Um, but uh, Columbia is weird. <laughs> I feel like it never actually works out the way that you think it's going to in, in that series. But, yeah, I have a win there as well. So that has me at 5-2. and two. That has you at 4-3. and three. And then they go 2 A&M. What do you think about Kyle uh, Field? I don't think you win that game. I think AM, we can talk about AM too, but I think AM's better. I think there's more stability at quarterback there with Connor Wegman than you had with Haynes King. Um, it's just, that's another one where it's like, it's really hard to win two road trips in a row going that far two weeks in a row. I think one way or another, you probably split those two. And the way I set that up is you beat Mizzou and lose to AM. But yeah, other way around, it could, it wouldn't surprise me. We got a couple of people uh, putting in their predictions in the, uh, the chat, by the way. So got, Everybody's got, <laughs> Yeah, bullish zombie, zombie. Uh, Rebel saying 12 and 0 or 11 and 1. Wouldn't that be something? 9 um, and 3 or 10 and 2. Yeah, Hip Hop Madness saying 9 and 3 or 10 and 2. Uh, Pauline just texted us and said uh, hers was 7, seven and five. 5, which I think is what yours is going to end up being too. Um, let's look at a couple, let's just look at these last few games and then we'll, uh, talk some week one football from a national perspective. So yeah, splitting Mizzou and A&M, and then you get a kind of easy stretch mm-hmm. here for a second. You get three straight home games. You got Jacksonville state, Bandy and Kentucky. I have them winning all three of those. I do um, too, actually. I, I think that no matter what happens to that middle stretch, you get to kind of breathe out a sigh, get back in front of your home crowd make that final push. I assume you're going to be within range of making a bowl uh, mm-hmm. if you win those three games. Um, and I think they get it done. Uh, so I have eight and three at that point in the schedule. Seven and four. And you're at seven and four at that point in the schedule. And then we're going uh, into the Clemson game, which is also at home. So four game home stretched in the season, kind of crazy. Um, what are you thinking on that? I mean, I'm going to say loss right now because I had it seven and five just in general. So I think one way or another they end up at seven and five, but I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they pulled it out at home. I just think Clemson's better. I think the Garrett Riley thing is going to work personally. Um, I think Club Nick's better than DJ. I just think they're better across the board than they were last year. Um, and they'll find a way to get it done. But if you found, I mean, you'd be going to that game the same place you were last year, seven and four, trying to get to eight with a win over Clemson. Um, or in your case, I guess you'd be at eight trying to get to nine. But 
I think you end up seven and five. You probably drop that game, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if you switched out another game and you beat Clemson. Yeah, in my official uh, picks that I put in, you know, back in July or whatever, I said eight and four, and I had losses to Georgia and Clemson. But in my bold prediction last week, it's I did say that they're yeah. going to win one of those. So why not have a little fun here? I'll say they'll beat Clemson at the end of the season. I'm going to put them down for a nine and three season. Um, Bullish Rebel said in his eleven and one scenario, it's either Georgia or Clemson that they're going to lose to, but he doesn't think they're going to lose a game. All right, I can't say I agree with that, but <laughs> hey, uh, that that would be a really fun season. Make this podcast really, really fun all season too. Um, Keep us busy in December. And then yeah, Pauline said seven and five. If you want to see all of our staff picks, that's at uh, GamecockScoop.com. You just look up Gamecock Scoop staff picks for the twenty twenty three season. Um, back when we did it, we all were eight and four or higher. Um, Just but a I think a little bit lower than I was in July. Well, yeah, at that point, I think uh, we were expecting maybe uh, a transfer running back to to land or like some of the the holes uh, to be filled. I can't remember exactly what the mindset was, and we've kind of learned a little bit more about some of these teams that they're going to play. Um, from a national perspective, let's just do playoff predictions real quick, and then we'll talk about week one games. Um, who are your four playoff teams? Okay, hold me to it. If I had it different than what I put in July, if you have that open. But I think in July I said Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and USC. Is that the four I had on there? You had um... – Georgia, Michigan, SoCal, Florida State. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I just read it weird. So I had pretty similar at Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Texas. Are you changing it? Texas. No, I'm, I'm keeping that. Uh, I was trying to remember what I had. I'm keeping that. Texas. Walk me through that one. So I actually think I'm going to switch two of them from then. Um, after seeing USC play last week, I still just don't think they have the defense um, to make it make it all the way. You don't I think, think Marshawn Lowe is going to win a Heisman there? <laughs> uh the second string running back for usc no i don't um <laughs> ooh, sorry uh anyway uh i i just don't think that they have the defense to uh, no you're right that was um watching san jose state move the ball pretty comfortably on them most of that game was kind of jarring i but... think i'm going georgia michigan still um but i actually am starting to feel a little bit more optimistic about alabama making it back this feels like one of those seasons where People don't believe in them as, them as much, um, and Nick Saban sort of uses um, that as fuel to to make a run. My fourth team, Florida. I just I don't believe in Florida State. I guess we're okay. gonna find out this weekend. Yeah, um, can't wait for that one. I don't know who I want to put. Otherwise, so here, we're just doing the math here. You've got two SEC teams and a Big Ten team. You've you could stick with Texas, although if you have Bama there, maybe not Texas because Bama's going to play Texas week two, unless you have Texas winning all the other games. Which um, is, could happen. Big 12's yeah. down this year. Um, if you don't like USC, I don't know. Like, Do you think I don't really Washington, like Ohio State. Michael Penix, really good quarterback out. Like, There's a path there. They got a different game, too. I think playing I, Boise State this week. I think I'm going to lock in Washington because I think when push comes to shove – Washington beats out USC for the pack, whatever it is now. Whatever's and, left. <laughs> um, and yeah, that ultimately earns them a spot. So Georgia, Michigan, um, 
Washington and Alabama are my four. Okay. Um, I can see that. I'm just in on Florida State running game-wise, especially. Got the running back, Trey Benson, back. Jordan Travis can run. They got all their offensive linemen back. I just think they're going to be able to dictate terms of the line of scrimmage a lot. Uh, but like you said, we're going to find out early because they play LSU week one and Clemson week four. So we'll know before September's out about Florida State. Yeah, so as we said, game day is going to be at South Carolina and North Carolina because that is definitely the best game on Saturday. Uh, but there's some other pretty big games this weekend starting tonight, which I have no plans tonight. I can't wait to sit can't and watch some Florida and Utah um tomorrow we will publish our staff picks for week one um right now uh we're all kind of neck and neck four and one three and two ish from last week although you and i did pretty bad against the spread last week yeah so, i was counting a little bit more from vanderbilt against a hawaii team in a rebuild but yeah um so who do you have in utah versus florida tonight right the line that we locked in on that was utah minus six and a half half. but um perry said earlier that um he saw some news about utah's quarterback cam Uh, rising is out yeah he is officially out that's i i hadn't been on that side of twitter yet this morning um, so that obviously affects that a little bit, but uh, how are you feeling about that? I'm one? still laying the points. Utah at home, altitude. Florida's had some travel problems this week. Not their fault because the hurricane, but they had to leave on Tuesday and like spend a night in Dallas or something. They didn't get to Salt Lake till like late last night from what I read. Um, I think Utah's better up front. I don't believe in Graham Mertz. It's a revenge game for Utah. It's a tough place to play. I'll lay the six and a half there. Yeah, I think I'm still sticking with it. And now you can get that game actually at Utah minus five, which makes me even bet want it mm. even more. <laughs> um, I just don't – I think Utah's defense is going to hold up just fine. Uh, I, there's nothing about Fuller's offense that makes me all that afraid. Um, and, yeah, they'll, they'll just get it done uh, enough on offense to pull it out. Uh, Nebraska and Minnesota also play tonight. Um, get to see Marcus Satterfield. That's what I was going to say. The Marcus Satterfield. Yep. <laughs> um, I did. So uh, our good friend, Zach Carpenter, who covered recruiting here at Gamecock Scoop for a little bit last year, um, is now the publisher of the Rivals Nebraska site. And we were talking about Satterfield when he first got hired. And then I did see some some quotes that uh, probably give some South Carolina fans nightmares about learning a, a complicated, complicated scheme. Yeah, and blah, blah, blah. Was- um, so we'll see. Uh, maybe it, it works out. Maybe not. Uh, Minnesota is minus seven right now. Uh, and that's what the line was at the beginning of the week, too. Who are you picking there? I think I, I don't remember what I put on the sheet, but I think I picked Minnesota to lay the points. Um, that's a tough one there, too. Conference game. Minnesota's breaking in a new quarterback, too, after Tanner Morgan finally graduated after 8,000 years. Um, I just think Minnesota is a little bit more of a known quantity right now and playing at home, but you and I both know how it goes and you're breaking in a new quarterback that can easily spiral on you. And Yeah. I think that there's still some work to be done on that Nebraska roster yeah. um, from the Scott Frost era. And uh, even if I do think Matt rule's going to get things figured out over there, I think opening game of the season, you got to go Minnesota there. You said, 
uh, Minnesota wins but doesn't cover. Okay. And I have Minnesota. Yeah, I'll stick with Conference games are usually closer. I think that can that can still be like a Minnesota by six, Minnesota by four thing. Um, as we move ahead, we have Louisville minus seven and a half at Georgia Tech. That game's actually pretty interesting to me. I wanna I wanna see what happens there. We across the board picked Louisville to cover that six and a half, but I have like a weird optimism about Georgia Tech as they're as they're building a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, and I guess I just don't believe in Louisville all that much. Uh, I wouldn't have put any money on that, but it's since I had no. In. It's it's tough there. Georgia Tech was better last year down the stretch with the interim Brett Key who got the job. They were better up front. I still don't. They've got the Georgia Tech, the AM transfer, Haynes King at quarterback there now. I mean, Haynes King wasn't that good at AM, but you drop him down to the ACC from the SEC. Maybe that picks up a little bit. He can run. Yeah. He can run. That's true. Louisville, first game with a new coach. That's also not a known commodity. Um, I think I just picked Louisville because they're the more talented roster, but like it's a road game, conference, week one. Like that is really a who the hell knows game. And Which then, again, yeah. And by the way, that game is Friday at seven thirty yeah. Eastern. Um, Saturday morning got Colorado and TCU. Coach Prime making his <laughs> debut. This was my easiest pick of the week. I picked TCU to cover the twenty and a half. Um, I would have picked TCU to cover anything. I'll probably pick against Colorado most of the season. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't know no, what's I'm happening there. Cat, casual mm-hmm. betters just like knowing. Deion Sanders and being like, oh yeah, they're going to be good. I 73 transfers, is it? And a lot Come of them on, from like lower level, they are a, they are that, small, that doesn't a small team. Either. Look at, look at their heights and weights compared to pretty much any opponent they play over the rest of the year. And that'll tell you pretty much all that, you need to know. It doesn't turn in one year, 73 transfers. Deion Sanders has never had to coach a team where he had less talent to work with. He always had the better roster at Jackson state. Um, I think that's a two or three win football team this year. Honestly, I'll take the team that played for the national title last year, laying any number. Yep. I'm with you there. Obviously they have some things that they have to replace. They lost their offensive coordinator as well, but that roster is just so head, head over heels better. Yeah, exactly. Um, we got in-state action, coastal at UCLA. UCLA was favored at 14 and a half when we made this pick. How are we feeling about the Chanticleers? Uh, again, if I put something different on the sheet, tell me. But I think I picked UCLA to win but not cover. Is that what I put on there? You did, and that is what I picked as well. Um, I I still think Coastal has some juice to make this one interesting. But UCLA should, based on the recruiting over the past three years compared to Coastals or whatever, should have the Jimmys and Joes uh, to pull it out. As long as you have Grayson McCall, you have a chance there. And I actually think Coastal might have the better quarterbacks. I know UCLA is still figuring out that they have three-way quarterback battle going on. They're replacing um, DTR. Quarterback play keeps it close, but it's a tough trip. I probably won't see any of this game. It's 1030. I'll be doing post-game stuff in Charlotte. But it should be one of the more interesting games of week one. And I think Coastal hangs around a little bit if you're going to give me two touchdowns. Um, This one was probably, I guess, the least – uh, consensus for us in the staff picks this week, which makes sense because it's the closest line. Uh, UTSA is negative one and a half at Houston. Um, that game is what time? I think it's the same time as South Carolina. 
yeah, you got an evening game there. Um, who do you have in Houston versus UTSA? I wouldn't want to touch that one. I would not bet it. I think I pick Houston at home, right? What I probably have Houston. Okay. Yeah, and that's um, that's what I did as well. Although I don't know, I might flip it before. Better quarterback for UTSA, but I think a better overall roster for Houston. Um, a little bit bigger up front. That game, I'm pretty sure, went to triple overtime last year. They played week one. I'm looking it up now, but I know this is the other end of a home-at-home. They played in San Antonio last year. Um, Yeah, that game went to triple overtime last year. Houston won it 37-35. to Good luck picking that. I mean, I think triple overtime speaks for itself last year. Yeah, I actually think I unfortunately did pick it last year, and I was sweating bullets the whole time. Um, so I'm just going to opt out of that experience. That's a better, it's one of the better week one games. Um, we got Penn State hosting West Virginia, and they had the line that we had was 20 and a half. We across the board picked them to cover that. I, I feel pretty good about that. It's more about West Virginia being bad and probably on the verge of firing Neil Brown than Penn State. Um, just going on the road to Happy Valley at night with a not that good run. I mean, I think West Virginia might be the worst team in the Big 12, to be honest with you. But you're not are you not uh buying the dark horse hype for Penn State as a national title contender? I do think that's a really good roster. I like uh Drew Allen uh, Drew Allen, Drew Aller. Yeah. Yeah. Um I need to see James Franklin win big, big games before I believe it. And look, that's always gonna be Penn uh, Michigan State or Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State there. Maybe you could win one of those. I don't think they win both. Um, but for the topic at hand, I think they blow out West Virginia Saturday night. And if you win one of those and you get that round robin action, maybe. You How does the three way tiebreaker work? If they all go one and one against each other, I feel like that's something we're going to hear about a lot this year if it breaks that way. But I'm sure it's like uh, not BCS rank, but whatever the college football, college football playoff rank. Um, which would probably hurt Penn State just from a name recognition standpoint. Not that they're not a well-known program, but when if you're there's any team, if there's any division State, in the sport that's getting two teams in the playoff, it's the Big Ten East. That's the, yeah. those, those three, I think, are all really good. That is true. Um, all right, we just got a couple more. We got Florida State that's the one. versus LSU. Um, that is, what, Monday night? Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday night. Liberty weekend, a little Sunday action. So that's Sunday night at 7.30 Eastern. Uh, LSU is minus two and a half. That, where is that at? Is it's that Orlando. Mostly, it's one of those weird neutral side, in New yeah. Orleans last year. It's like a home and home, but still not on campus, which sucks. But um, I got to just stick with my Florida State stuff. I'm optimistic there. Florida State won this game last year with a worse roster than they have now. Um, I wouldn't at all be surprised if LSU won. I'd pick LSU to win the West. I think LSU is the best team in the SEC, not named Georgia. But I'll still go by Florida State pick and say they win a close game. Yeah, this one's going to be a good one. Has far-reaching impacts for both of their uh, season-long hopes. Um, although I think Florida State could lose this one close and then run the table and probably still backdoor yes. in. Um, I mean, same for LSU, I guess. But that's a harder path for LSU. Um, the rest of us picked LSU, so you stand alone on that Florida State pick. It wouldn't surprise me if it went the other way. I just I tend to think that Florida State is still about a year away uh, with that roster. Okay. And then Clemson, minus 13 at Duke. That's the Monday night game, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. 
I assume you're picking Clemson. Do you think that they cover that 13 point spread? I don't, I don't think they do. I think I put that on the sheet Clemson win, but not cover. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I do won nine games last year. Not a lot of people talked about it. Um, I don't think they're going to be that good. I know they had some really big turnover luck last year. Um, it's going on the road. It's week one. It's a conference game. Duke's Mike Elko is a defensive guy. I've got a salty defense. That just feels like one of those Clemson controls it. You never think it's in danger. And you look up at the end, it's like 30 to 17 or something. They don't quite cover, but they still win. I agree with you there. Um, this is one of those spots that they usually open up the season in a more dominant fashion. Um, but I do think that that line is pretty much right on. But I'll just say that they cover by 14 or 15 or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other games that we did not pick this week that I think are kind of interesting for South Carolina fans. Uh, Virginia and Tennessee, that's at 10 a.m. or sorry, mountain time. That's at uh, noon on ABC. Right now, Tennessee is uh, negative, uh, not negative, is minus 28 uh, against Virginia. Um, that sounds about right to me. I think that they're going to blow them out of the water. It's just more than, it's more about, I mean, it's not their fault. Obviously, they had tragedy way beyond football last year with shooting those those three players in their roster their quarterback transferred out one of their other quarterbacks just decided to play baseball instead virginia's again not their fault it's much better than football that's going to be one of the worst teams in the power five i think um just unfortunate circumstance there in tennessee probably takes advantage any chance that indiana gives ohio state any sort of a fight ohio state's picked uh 30 point well, you see that what Tom Allen did this week, right? No, I didn't. No. He did not reveal his kicker on the depth chart because he didn't want to give Ohio State advantage. Sneaky. Because if Ohio State knows Indiana's starting kicker, then you might as well not even play the game. <laughs> um, Ohio State's going to blow him out. I yeah. There. Um, the other one that you mentioned earlier in the show, Boise State and Washington, it's I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, 3.30 on ABC. Um, Washington is a 14 point favorite that feels about right. Just cause I think Washington's offense is that good. Uh, but I think it could be interesting for the first half or so. I think Washington covers that maybe win by like 17, but that's a fun game. Um, I'm excited to see Michael Penix. If you haven't watched him, that's one of the most fun quarterbacks in the country just to watch. Um, I think Washington wins, but that's a good little, um, appetizer for the South Carolina game. If you're looking for something in that window before. All right, one more thing that I wanted to hit on uh, before we get out of here. A couple of season-long predictions for South Carolina, uh, superlatives, things that we'll kind of talk about by the end of the year. We hit on a few of these last week. If you want to go back and check that out, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's on our YouTube channel as well. Um, but let's let's hit on a couple categories that we did not do last week. Uh, how about leading tackler? Who do you think the leading tackler for South Carolina is going to be by season's end? Boring answer, but I'll take the true freshman who led last year to do it again, Nicky Minwari. I think he's going to get a lot of chances. I know they're going to want to use safeties more and run help this year. Obviously, he'll get chances on pass. He's just got a nose for the football. Um, I'll take Eamon Worry, even though that's, excuse me, not exciting. See, I tend to think that a lot of the reason that he was the leading tackler last year was because how often. Uh, Guys were getting to the third level. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to be a little optimistic. Mystic and pick a linebacker. I'm going to say Stone Blanton is the okay. leading tackler this year. Uh, takes that step forward um, and is, yeah, catching people at the second level instead of the third, hopefully. Um, 
What about freshman MVP? So we talked about this before the game or before the podcast. Redshirt freshman count as well if they didn't play last year. Um, but a freshman new contributor, who do you think is going to stand out ab- above the rest this year? Uh, I'll take I'll take your um, linebacker situation there and go with Pup Howard. I just think that all of these linebackers are going to play a lot just because you've got four of them in a four-two-five, and I think all of them are pretty good. He's going to get chances. I expect him to play a lot Saturday night, to be honest with you. And I think, just think he's a really good player. We've been hearing about him for a while. We know he was, I mean, he was the first member of this class to get to campus. Uh, Gator Bowl. He's probably further along with this system. Anybody, any of the other freshmen? Um, we'll go with Pop Howard. That's that's a good pick. That probably would be my pick too. But I'm going to pick something else just to be different. Um, I'm going to assume that Nick Harbor shakes off whatever little lingering lingering in injuries had here through camp um, and contributes pretty heavily this year scores maybe five or six touchdowns and uh, is the the MVP of the freshman class. Um, by the way, we didn't get into injuries. Any final word on injuries? I know that we will get Carolina calls tonight and we'll put up the uh, final injury report on gamecockscoop.com right after that. But what are you hearing on the injury front? Uh, JT is here leaning towards probably, I don't think he's going to play a Saturday night. Um, Bam Martin Scott, questionable. Connor Cox, questionable. I'm not expecting either of them right now, but I wouldn't be surprised they might still, you know, be on the travel roster. Um, Nick Harbor, again, we've heard some stuff about that. Maybe not expecting him to play. Um, I don't, I don't, I think the main stuff you're looking at was Juice Wells. I think he's going to be good to go. Trey Knox, he had, you know, camp injury. He's going to be good to go. Um, but I think some of that depth might not be as healthy, but we'll get a little bit more from Shane here in what, four and a half hours. All right. Uh, continue to stay plugged in to GamecockScoop.com uh, for the latest updates as we head towards the game. Uh, we'll be back here Sunday morning to review the game and then uh, back here the week after for some Furman preview. Uh, thanks to the Spurs Up show for listening. Great. Um, And we will uh, see you next time.